Welcome to the Channel 17 podcast, a weekly Atlanta Braves discussion podcast brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Facebook and Twitter, at Prod Leisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and joining me as always is my father, Tim Floyd. Thanks, Will, and as always, it's great to be with you. Even though the Braves haven't been playing that well, it's still fun to talk about them. Yes. So we are uh, talking right now on September 1st as the Braves are playing the Cubs and are currently down by two runs, two to nothing. This may be a first for us to actually do our podcast during a game itself. We might have done a spring training thing where... Well, I'm sure we did that probably. Um, Regular season. (laughs) It's because they're in Chicago and they're playing in the day. And also, uh, we did not do it earlier because I have been battling uh, heat wave related blackouts at my apartment here in Los Angeles. So, yeah, that makes it tough, but you have power for now at least, huh? That's obviously, we're going forward. Yes, um, and it's we're coping. <laughs> That's the basic answer. Yeah. Uh, but I might be on alert. But so, I also was getting reports of the Brandon Phillips trade, which I guess is the big news from the Braves sort of over Twitter while escaping my darkened apartment last night. Yeah, obviously, uh, by the time people listen to this, they'll be well aware. But um, what, as the, I, I learned about the potential Brandon Phillips trade as I tuned in the Braves TV broadcast as they were about to start last night at 8 o'clock Eastern time. And Phillips was not in the starting lineup. And Chip just said he scratched for personal reasons. It might have to do with a potential trade. And so I started looking online and I saw that there'd been you know, rumors about the Braves talking to the Angels. And apparently they worked out that deal, the two clubs did, um, fairly easily. And the real hang-up was Phillips had to decide whether he would agree to it or not because under his contract he had the right to refuse it. But why well, refuse? You know, the Angels are in the playoff hunt. Um, might as well try it and see. And, and obviously we now know he did agree. And so Brandon Phillips is now part of the keystone combo of the Angels along with her old friend Andrelton Simmons. And the Angels also got Justin Upton. Yeah, yesterday. speaking of old friends, so yeah. they get to join Yunel Escobar in Anaheim. Um, yeah, as, it's a whole as collection of said on Braves Journal today, you know, going to be following the um, um, Los Angeles Angels of Atlanta over the last month. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Mike Trout's a difference. Um, yeah, but, Mike Trout's. You know, is it, I, I never see the Angels. The Braves actually played them this year, and I didn't get to see any of it. And that's just a team I just never get to see. And Mike Trout is obviously the the best baseball player of his generation, and I've hardly ever seen him play. I would love it if they made a extended October run just so Mike Trout gets that stage, you know. And if our friends Justin and Brandon help him out, that's good. If Unel helps him out, I feel worse. But whatever. Yeah, I, that, that I don't care. I don't have any attachment to Unel. Uh, I, in fact, until you said that, I had no idea he was even on the Angels. Yep. Nope, I've seen him in person this year. That was fun. Uh, but, you know, the other thing that, of course, happens because it's September 1st, we have some September call-ups. Right. That's the big deal for September 1st. You know, the rosters expand, and the Braves called up a good many folks, didn't they? Not the one that people probably most want, though. No, everybody wants to see Acuna, and that's not going to happen. Uh, they are not going to. Add him to the forty-man roster this season. Uh, I think. I mean, I might be wrong. Hell, by the time this is you post this, they may have announced he's coming up. But I think they would have already, right? Because they already called up Rio Ruiz, who started so, yeah. today. In fact, uh, Rio Ruiz has Although they already. Needed, been they started. needed a third baseman since they traded Phillips. Yes. Rio Ruiz um, has a Camargo's hit. Camargo's not say this. eligible. 
Um, yeah, Ruiz had to hit his first at bat back up. Uh, in fact, the first time through the order, there were three hits. Albies, Ruiz, Swanson, right? Right. Um, but also coming up was Tony Sanchez, who was who the Braves got back for Brandon Phillips. We forgot to mention that. Right. I don't know. He'll probably be an okay backup catcher, to be totally honest, judging from he, being he, able to he handle will, He will be their, their AAA catcher, and if they ever need somebody, they'll call. I assume they didn't they didn't get him because they thought he had a role on the major league team. Except this September, of course, they always carry at least three catchers, and yeah, they're, they're bringing him directly to the big league club. Mm-hmm. Good for a guy like that. And literally getting anything from Brandon <laughs> Phillips was a win. Right, right. We Obviously. paid him one million dollars this year. Yeah, was, yeah. Cincinnati paid you know thirteen, what is it, 13 million. million of his contract. <laughs> uh, but the truth is, I, I was I was a little skeptical about Phillips. I figured at age thirty six, he probably lost a fair amount defensively. Offensively, he's never been as good a player as some people think because he doesn't walk enough. He makes a good bit of contact. Truth is, he was a valuable player for the Braves. Mm-hmm. Not a great player, but he contributed a lot. Um, and he was the bridge to our second baseman of the future, Ozzie Albies, who might have had the job coming out of spring training, except, you know, he was he came off that awful injury uh, with the broken um, wrist, or I mean, elbow. Um, but once Albies established that he was ready to play at the major leagues, that there was no need to have Brandon Phillips anymore. So, um, good for Brandon, actually, that he, he might very well get to play in the postseason. And he spent pretty much the whole season in his hometown. Yeah, that's true, too. I think that's one reason he was okay to come to Atlanta, because it's yeah. where he grew up. But they also, I mean, Johan Camargo is supposed to come back on Monday, I've heard. Right. So, yeah, I think the third, yeah, there wasn't, the, the Braves need to play the people that might contribute in the future, and Phillips was only under contract till the end of this month, so obviously he wasn't part of the future, and it would have been a waste of everything for him to play third base. As much as I've, I've enjoyed having him, actually, and he's contributed, there was no reason to keep him, so it's it's a good trade, even if they got nothing back, and they didn't get much more than nothing. Um, but the third baseman, the third baseman in September, I assume, will be Ruiz and Camargo in some sort of platoon. Um whether they acquire a different third baseman for next year or whether they think maybe these two guys can handle a position themselves next year will be one of those good off-season questions. And what happens in September may have something to do with that. Yeah, and I also think, you know, this team has been rebuilding since mid-July. We've talked about that and pretty clearly weren't shooting for the playoffs. Oh, right. But well, they've been rebuilding is... for three years, but I see what you mean. Yeah. Since mid-July, it became clear they weren't going to contend for the postseason this year, so they pretty much immediately started trying to get rid of people that didn't figure in the future and calling up people like Albies that, that do figure in the future. And I think the other important thing about sort of just the call-ups and everything. Well, I guess we should mention that the Braves announced that Micah Johnson was being DFA'd and were mistaken. That also happened. I don't know if you caught that. Mistaken? Yeah. There was a tweet this morning, I think from the Braves official Twitter or some other thing like that, that said um, Micah Johnson was being DFA'd. And then he tweeted out, this is the first I've heard of it myself. And oh, then they well, were like, see, oh, that was a mistake. That's why. It really was a mistake. Yeah. He has not been nope. uh, DFA'd. No, it's uh, September. I mean, not, that, 
not that I can, well, no, it was a 40 man roster issue. I thought, um, that not that, that Braves, once you've traded Brandon Phillips. Oh yeah. Phillips opened up a spot on the 40 man uh-huh. roster that they did not need to, to free up. Um, but yeah, I can't remember now who they must have added. You know, anybody that gets called up to a major league team automatically gets put on the 40 man right. roster if they weren't there already. I'm not sure who that would have included. Was though, Ian Crow? No, Ian Crow was on the 10 day disabled list. Right. So I was trying to figure and out. And they called up Freed. They called up mm-hmm. Ruiz. But they both had already been yeah. up earlier this year. So they, they were obviously on the 40 man already. Um, they, you know, they they traded Brandon Phillips. But, of course, they had to replace him with um, Sanchez, the guy. So, so yeah. they did not actually free up a 40 man spot, come to think of it. But in any event, that doesn't matter so much because neither Micah Johnson nor, what's this catcher's name they just got? Tony Sanchez. Sanchez. Um, neither of them matter to the Braves and if they get claimed by some other team in the offseason nobody will care um, I mean Micah Johnson seems like an awesome guy who's had a very fun social media presence but as oh, a baseball I wasn't aware player of that. I got nothing against Micah Johnson but I'm afraid he's you know maybe the second coming of Emilio Bonifacio which of course yeah, Emilio had a long major league career come to think of it I'm just not sure he deserved to right um, the other I guess big news about the future is that the Braves are sending a full eight players to the Arizona Fall League, so they're like half of a team already. Starting with the aforementioned Ronald Acuna. Uh, But here's what's interesting. Did you look at who's actually going? It's a weird list. It was was an interesting mix, wasn't it? So it's Ronald Acuna, Max Freed, who, by the way, is starting Sunday and then going to Arizona. You mean he's starting for the big league club this yes. weekend, and yet they've already said he's going to Arizona? Yes. That's partly just because they, they figure he needs a little work or something to work on. But, you know, Freed had an odd year. He he had a really good spring. Freed has had he an looked, odd professional career. True. He, he, he was coming off Tommy John surgery when the Braves first acquired him, and that took a while to come back from, and, that, and he was slow. But his second half last year with Rome, I mean, he that was a – phenomenal pitching staff Rome had last year and he may have been the best of the bunch or he's right in there um, and I, I said to you in one of our podcasts this spring I look for Max Freed maybe to be the breakout among all the young pitchers and man was I wrong he yep. really struggled at times this year um, your money needed to be on Luis Gohari or a mechanical um, but but Freed I think he still has a shot to be a maybe a, a good major league starter so they, they want to give him every chance I guess but then also, I think he needs a little more work this year. Among like high-profile prospects, we also have Tuki Toussaint, Alex Jackson, and Austin Riley. Yeah, who all have had successful seasons with them landing in Double A, but not yeah. consistently great for all of them. Jackson well, Riley, I'll I'll actually speak up in defense of Austin Riley. He had a similar season this year to last year. Last year, at a very slow start at A-ball, low A at Rome, and he turned it on in the second half and was really good. He was just a year out of high school last year. He's just mm-hmm. two years out this year, you know. High school. He is really hitting the ball well at that um, tough hitter's park in Jackson. Um, he, and at double A, is one of the very youngest players in the league. Austin Austin Riley could turn out to be a, a good player, right? Right, but what I'm saying is, Tuki Toussaint, Alex Jackson, and Austin Riley are the kinds of guys that go to Arizona. 
Oh, right. They, they've got lots of potential. There's still lots of question marks. There are reasons to, to give them extra bats in yeah. innings. And- Tukey in particular, I mean, God, he, in some ways he's got the best stuff in the, of all these fabulous young pitchers because he's got a really good fastball and most, by all accounts, the most mind-bending breaking ball of anybody in the system. You just have to see some of the video of him throwing that thing. Uh, obviously, he's had a had mixed success this year, to put it charitably. Um, but he's still young, you know. He, yeah. He's the kind of guy that he could all of a sudden break out. So that makes sense too. Then we also sent Corbin Klaus and Josh Graham, who are relievers who have been very good in the minors and could be in the bullpen next year in Atlanta. Both of whom I had to look up to remember who they were. I mean, but they've been good the relievers. But they, they are not, they don't make the top 30 prospect list because they're relief pitchers, and uh-huh. relief pitchers never do. But they've both been very good. You're right, I did look up their numbers, and these are the kind of guys that, yeah, may be in the bullpen in Atlanta next year. And then, finally, Anthony Seymour, who is fast. Yeah, interesting. That's his that, skill. He, 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 is, he is very fast. <laughs> Unfortunately, he doesn't seem to have a home. He hadn't had a bad year at all, actually, considering I, I, when they picked him up last year in one of the many, many, many trades that I can't keep up with, um, I thought at the time, what does this guy have going for him other than being very fast? Well, he's very fast, but um, he's he, he may yet be the kind of guy who's worth having on a major league roster um, if he's not completely overmatched at the plate, but we'll see. Well, and I also think, again... You send people to Arizona to work on things. He guys just got switched from the infield to the outfield. There's like a reason. I don't really I get why Ronald Acuna needs to be in Arizona, other than I, I guess as a professional, he hasn't had. I that think many they points. made a clear cut decision. We are not going to add him to the forty man roster this September. I mean, we're not going to put him on the major league team and therefore add him to the forty man roster. Um, but they want him to play a little bit more. Uh, and they just wanted one more shot at some baseball this fall, so do it in Arizona rather than the big leagues in September. I mean, he will be the starting right fielder for the Braves next regular season. I don't think there's much doubt about that. They may wait the three weeks or whatever it takes after the start of the regular season uh, just to buy themselves an extra year on control over his contract down the line, uh, which would be a little frustrating, but you know, teams do that watching the Braves play the Cubs right now. They did that with Bryant, and that, mm-hmm. in retrospect, that was probably a pretty good decision. They're probably glad to have an extra year of um, Chris Bryant under contract. And so the Braves may play that game. On the other hand, the Braves haven't been doing that much. You know, Jason Hayward started right out of spring training as a 20-year-old. Um, I hate to bring Jason Hayward up. I'd hate to think Acuna turns out like Hayward. Much as I love Jason Hayward, we have higher hopes than that for young Mr. Acuna, don't we? Yeah, well, I was uh, listening to some of the game before we got on this call, and Don Sutton, when Jason Hayward came up, said, Fulty really needs to start him with a changeup right here. And I was like, man, Don Sutton knows exactly how he would attack Jason Hayward. Right. That is not a good sign. That is just yeah. not doing you any favors. Um, and I was watching the first at bat of Hayward, and Fulty was pounding him inside with a fastball, and you know that... Hayward really can't handle that. I mean, it's just not possible for him. Right. Um, um, he put one over the outside corner, he can stretch and maybe make good contact, but he is just not going to get around on an inside fastball. And it's actually interesting to bring this up because the other thing that I think we really need to talk about is that uh, our double play combination of the future sure looks like the double play combination of the present over the last uh, that, two weeks. That is the single best thing, most exciting thing about the Braves over the last few weeks 
ever since Swanson, I mean, Albies was called up on the first. Mm-hmm. Shortly after that, Camargo, who had been the shortstop, had that freak injury. So they called Swanson back up prematurely over what they had planned, I think. But Dansby has just been a different hitter. I mean, hell, he's got um, he's got an OPS of something like close to 900 since he's he's come back up. Um, he's well, been and- for a good batting average, and he's also walking a lot. He's getting on base at a great clip. Not a lot of power, but um, doing he's what gotten he better with each week too. So yeah. you know, Baseball Reference has the splits that does it: last twenty-eight days, last fourteen days, last seven days. Mm-hmm. He was called up within the last twenty-eight days. That's his call-up time. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, hitting three oh nine with a four twenty-two on base and a four twenty-six slugging coming into okay. today's game, and he got another hit. Mm-hmm. Um. No home runs, but two triples and four doubles. And then in the last 14 days, a 368 average with a 490 on base. And then in the last seven days, a 350 average with a 458. I love the way the guy's walking so much. I mean, you want him to be a 300 batting average hitter, but if he can hit 300 and then also walk as much as he has, I mean, he belongs at the top of the order. Even if he never develops a lot of power, he's getting on base at a great clip. Small sample size, obviously, we can't assume that all of a sudden he's going to be a really good major league hitter because he had at least three months of really being pretty awful this year. But Although I think he, we can actually, also say... even that three months, he had some stretches where he's doing pretty well. Um, he also looks but, different. But he does. Right? He's got a, He's got a different stance. He's up on the plate a little bit more. Um, anyway, your point was, Swanson and Albies playing together mm-hmm. look awfully good because Ozzie... Ozzy's hitting 400 in his last 12 games. Yes, with power. Uh huh. I mean, he's got a couple of home runs, but I don't. That's not what I'm talking about. The guy has extra base hits. Seems like every time he plays, including what, like four triples already? Yeah, five <laughs> doubles, four team? triples. Yeah. He. I Probably mean, the not, thing is, more triples than pretty much everybody, I bet. But yeah, the guy um, barrels up the ball. He hits it hard. He's a little guy. But Sorry yeah, for the noise in the background. Apparently my printer's going crazy because, I don't know, brownouts and disconnections and I don't know what's happening. Um, but I've had power this whole time. Good. So um, <laughs> we're just dealing with noise and craziness and the Braves are going on. And I actually can't turn them on on my TV right now. I don't know why. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this is fun. No change in the score, right? Still 2 to nothing, Chicago. <laughs> um but the thing that's interesting to me is that we don't need Ozzy to hit 400 and Dansby to hit 350 with... That's good, because neither is going to keep well, that right. up, obviously. In fact, what I was going to say is, I think, considering their defensive skills and abilities, if next year Ozzy hits like 280 with a 320 on base and a 420 slugging, which, by the way, is Brandon Phillips... Um, but, I mean, yeah. he doesn't need to hit even as well as he's done this year. And Dansby It'd could be hit Brandon even... Phillips with better defense and sure, better base running. Whatever. Dansby yeah. could hit 260, 340, 380. And that's the start of a very good up-the-middle team. You add to Ender Inciarte. And so I think uh-huh. it's not just that, hey, look at these guys. You know, could they hit 400 in short stretches? Well, they just have. Both the, of them the, almost. 
But you, more you importantly, look at this Braves team right now. You are start. You got a much better picture of what they're really looking at over the next two or three years. Because obviously, the plan is Albies and Swanson at second and short, and Enciarte and center. None of whom are going to be, you know, MVP caliber offensive players. But all of them can contribute pretty well offensively. I think play really good defense up the middle. All are good base runners. Um, that, that's a great that's a great place. And of course, with Freeman, um, that, that's a good start. We, we, as we're going to talk about next year, we still have the the huge question about the corner outfield. We've been talking about Acuna as maybe one of them, and I'd I'd love to think so. And if he does anything like his numbers this year as a 19-year-old in the minor leagues, uh, my gosh, we've got not only the rookie of the year, maybe an MVP candidate. And that's silly. I don't mean to get ahead of myself. But presumably, no, he's Acuna been is that good. one of the players. He has been, I know. Um, only Mike Trout actually is that good as a 20-year-old coming out of the minor leagues. Um, so I'm not going to count on that. But but Acuna, I think, will be a starting corner outfielder and will be good. Um, well, that's that's first, second, short, uh, right field, and center field. Off, it's starting to look a whole lot better. Left field, you've got both Kemp and Marquecas under contract for next year. Um, I'd be happy to have neither next year, but I think we'll have both. But doesn't it make sense to you to let them both play left and platoon or something? I don't know. And then the other one is the first bat off the bench. Right, uh huh. And, a, you know, DH games. They also have Matt Adams under contract for next right, year. Right, that's the other one. And who, who is also a left fielder because I, I assume the Freeman, a third base experiment, is over. Sure. I mean, it's over for this year. <laughs> Matt Adams um, is a left fielder because he has played out there as a major leaguer. I think he's not someone who you want to play left field. I don't know. Well, yeah, clearly you don't defensively. Um, I don't think he's even a step up over Matt Kemp, to tell you the truth. Although I watched Kemp last night. John Jay had four hits, none of whom were hit hard. Um, his fourth one was a triple that was a little bloop, just kind of over the third baseman's head that hit near the line uh, in shallow left field. And poor Kemp. It, it looked like he might have time to get there, but not Kemp. But then the ball bounced past him, and for him to lumber down toward the corner to get it, it's a wonder it wasn't an inside-the-park home run. Well, cause I don't it's mean to be that critical of Matt Kemp, but the guy can't move. I mean, he just yeah. His legs don't work anymore. I mean, I think that one of the things the Brandon Phillips trade should teach us, if we didn't already know, if Copy wants to trade a guy, he kind of will just trade him. Yeah, but the difference is um, Phillips you know, only didn't cost the angels much of anything, uh, one month's salary. And that's only, you know, one month out of a $1 million salary that's mm-hmm. owed. So that was literally nothing, almost nothing. Kemp on the other hand is owed a, owed a tremendous amount of money over the next two years. Marcakis is one more year in his contract for what, like 11 million. Um, you can't just expect somebody to take that on. The only way you can trade them, I think is to take back salary. I don't think either has value that you'd get in terms of a prospect or a player. Uh, Somebody might be able to take one just for the salary, but I doubt it. Uh, So that's the problem. I think we're stuck with both of them unless they're willing to just release one. But they both have some value, just not the value that you're paying them, right? I mean, Nick Markakis is a league average hitter. Yeah. Or as Joe Simpson likes to put it, he's a professional hitter. He is. (laughs) Never never known quite what he means by that. He's Mm -hmm. certainly consistent. 
if professional means somebody who goes about his business and is there every day and you can count on, yeah, that's that's Nick Markakis. You can I count always on thought him to be a league average hitter. From a guy like Jess Simpson meant he went the other way with an outside fastball. Well, yeah, and, he, and sometimes he makes productive outs. <laughs> yeah, and you know, if a runner's on third, he's going to try and hit a lazy fly ball into the outfield. That's right. I mean, he's got to run second and no outs. He'll hit a weak ground ball to second base, and Joe will get thrilled because he did that. Yep. Professional hitting. Um, right. But I also think it's, you know, Markakis isn't a zero at the plate. No. Kemp is alternately. Markakis is very close to a zero in terms of his wins above replacement, though, because defensively, yes. although he might have been an okay outfielder a while back, he's pretty much a liability in the field. Offensively, he's. He is what he is. He, he's going to hit close to 300 without a whole lot of power. That's that's what he does, right? Yeah. Kemp's the bigger mystery. If Kemp is healthy like he was in the second half of last year and the first couple of months of this year, man, he was crushing the ball. Um, since his legs sort of gave out earlier this year, he really hadn't done much. And given his age and his condition, I think you got to put money on the, the, the Matt Kemp of the last couple of months as opposed to the Matt Kemp of – you know, earlier this year, or last year, going forward, but I don't know. I mean, the problem with a leg injury is you cannot play sports at a high level without right. harming your legs more. Yeah, and it's not just that he can't play left field; it's that you know, you, you, your your legs are awfully important, especially for a power hitter like Matt Kemp. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's also not like well, if you limit him or he does certain things, I mean. Right. He is actively harming his body every time he plays, which is sad, really. Um, and, you know, this is a guy who was, I mean, I think he won a gold glove in center field. He didn't really deserve yeah. that. But he was a good center fielder. He, as a young he man. played center field. I mean, just given that, he played center yeah. field. Whether he played all that well or not, That you got to be a pretty good outfielder. And now, I mean, he that. really can't move. He was the league MVP even mm-hmm. six years ago. Um now, the other thing that, of course, the Braves have over the next month is they've got to figure out the starting staff in some well, way. Well, that's the big question mark for next year, I think. We, we've been talking about position by position. They can field a pretty respectable lineup, I think, right now. Um, but the rotation is such a big question mark. Um, Here's something. they got an here. option on R.A. Dickey, so, although he's also been musing about retiring, so that's a question mark. Julio Tehran has obviously been a major disappointment this year, but on the other hand, he, his last two starts, he's been quite sharp. So every time Julio pitches, maybe we'll get the old old Julio. Uh, there's no reason to think he can't be a good major league pitcher again. Other than the fact it's that the young guys that are the big question mark. I mean, I I think I don't feel great about Fulty ever turning into a high quality major leaguer to be totally honest yeah i mean he you know i'm watching him pitch even as we're recording today um and he's given up only two runs in um what six innings i guess um and he's actually looked pretty sharp um he's had you know he had that one game earlier this year where he took a no hitter into the ninth uh, he had a good outing his last time out on the other hand, he had three straight outings before that where he was really not good at all. He just has not developed the consistency you want out of somebody that you count on every five days. It's still sort of early in his career, although I guess this is really his third year as a mm-hmm. regular starter, isn't it? And at the big I mean, league level. 
I guess someone can find command and a better attitude on the mound, but that seems yeah. like the hardest things to figure it out. It happens. You know, some power pitchers, it just, they're, they're slower to develop because it's, it takes them a while to be able to put that ball where they want. Sandy Koufax is always the great example people come up with that he struggled for many years, obviously, this stuff in baseball, the fastball and the curve that were better than anybody. Um, but he, he really only had like five good years because it took him that long to, to figure out how to throw strikes. But, I, I shouldn't use all these all-time great Hall right. of Fame examples for our players. But, I mean, Obviously, part it's not going to be that, Sandy Koufax. The other examples, but, but if he could just start to, to get the ball where he wants more often, Fulte's, he's going to be excellent, or at least very good. He can be excellent on his day is the best way to put it. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sean Newcomb and Lucas Sims have the exact same kind of problem, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Newcomb, because I actually watched the game last night pretty much from start to finish, so I... Of course, I didn't see Sean Newcomb start to finish. He never goes more than about five innings, right. which was what he did last night, five innings with 101 pitches. God, is he frustrating. Um, I've, I mean, I've still got some hopes for Sean Newcomb. He's only in his you know second month as a major league pitcher, um, and he hadn't been a professional all that long. He was a college guy. But, um, man, is he frustrating. The, the, he struck out seven in five innings. Great. Uh, he walked three. Not so great. Go. But he threw 101 pitches in large part because um, he went to two strikes on almost everybody, it seemed. But he gave up eight hits, seven of which were with two strikes. A major league pitcher should not allow that many hits with two strikes. Especially someone with his curveball. I know. You ought to be able to put people away when you got two strikes. But he was missing with the curveball or he hung the curveball. He tried his changeup a couple of times that didn't work. Um He's not that far off, and, and to give him credit, many of the hits he gave up last night really were just kind of bloops and bleeders. He was kind of unlucky, and yet he's also his own worst enemy. He, he walked, I mean, the third run he gave up, the third and final run he gave up, let's see what happened. Uh, oh, the, the third out would, should have been made, and Jace Peterson booted a ground ball to third base, keeping an inning alive and loading the bases. So what does Fulte do? He promptly walks the next hitter and walks. You mean Newcomb? But I see your point. Uh, yeah, Newcomb. Same, same kind of guy. Fulte could have done it too. <laughs> Fulte's very emotional on the mound, and Newcomb seems very stoic on the mound. Yeah. But the results are very similar. That's right. And I think Actually, it's also. Let me back up a minute. They're, they're dissimilar also in the when Fulte's off, his mechanics seem off. He seems to be kind of flying all over the mound and landing in different spots mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, he's kind of herky jerky. I do not understand why Newcomb has such trouble with command and location because he has a smooth, easy delivery. It seems easily repeatable. You know, he's a big guy, but he's real simple in the way he throws it and the ball kind of explodes out of his hand. Um, I mean, I'm no scout. What do I know about this? But he looks like the kind of guy with his motion. He ought to be able to to put the ball where he wants repeatedly, but he's not (laughs) for whatever reason. And I mean, not to get too far into this but clearly we have a problem with our pitchers this year well, the Bartolo Colon is starting for the twins and doing okay <laughs> he pitched a complete game the other night <laughs> didn't he throw like 130 pitches and he wasn't that good but yeah but he went nine innings <laughs> but the point is this is I mean I shouldn't be this negative but it's the one thing that's been really frustrating to me 
This just the Braves' isn't... offense has been at least league average. Mm-hmm. Um, the pitching is the reason they are not a 500 team. You know, the, this team is built on, I mean, the, the whole rebuild is premised on we're going to build around pitching. And so many of their prospects are great pitchers. But the prospects that they've used so far, the first wave of prospects, which include Fulton Evich and Whistler and Blair even a couple of years ago, and now the next wave, Newcomb and Sims, um, it's early on Newcomb and Sims, but pretty clearly Whistler and Blair haven't worked out, and they probably won't. Fulton Evich may work out, but he's still an open question. Um, so, so the pitching staff this year, um, and then the veterans, Cologne didn't work out at all. Dickey worked out better than you'd expect. Um, the rental Garcia was pretty good. Uh, Tehran let him down. Bottom line is, overall, the pitching staff this year has been much below league average. Um, and if they'd been, you know, even average, the team might be a 500 team, might even have been competing for the wild card. The problem is next year, um, they got a whole bunch of young pitchers that might be ready. But like all young pitchers, you got to expect they're going to struggle and have to make adjustments, right? So even yeah. even if they call up Luis Gohara, um, or even, even if he makes the rotation out of spring training as a 21-year-old, um, I, I He'll probably struggle. He'll have to make adjustments. He's been awfully good, though, by the way. Yeah. He's also a huge 21-year-old pitcher. I mean, he's like the definition of a guy you don't expect to just dominate to start with in the majors. He'll have some time to adjust. Yeah. He's he's young, but he's had a great year, and they've pushed him along. And even at AAA, he's now pitching really well. His last start just a night or two ago was another excellent start. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they got the other pitchers at AA who've been so good, Allard and Soroka. But they're both 19-year-olds this year, (laughs) just be 20 next year. So I have a hard time believing that um, that they're going to have a really good rotation next year either. Maybe Fulton Evich and Newcomb and Sims all get really good next year and Tehran recovers. So, fine, no problem. But that's a whole bunch of big ifs, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Which is leading up to the question I want to ask you. If you were copy, would you trade some prospects this offseason for a really good established major league starting pitcher or even a couple? Well, first of all, Or would you go you into mean? the free agent market if there are any? Maybe there aren't any. I don't even know. Should the Braves, if they want to compete next year in 2018, they're going to have to have a better pitching staff by far than they had this year. And if they if they just want to count on the, the homegrown products to get a lot better, that's, that's not a good bet. So the, the real issue is, do you try to get somebody who's already a very good major league pitcher? Well, I mean, you know, the, what do you have to give up? Do you give up Gahara and Riley and... I don't know. Well, it kind of depends on what you're going for. I mean, but you're not giving up a Cunha or Maiton, right? Gray and Jose Quintana this year. Um, I think I don't know if they were ever really in on the Chris Sale talks back when he got traded. Um, but but I'm talking about Chris Sale is you know a step beyond. But you know at least the Sonny Gray Quintana caliber of starting pitcher. Well, Would we thought we had try that. to go get somebody like that. I mean, I think you almost have to because. Part of why I'd want Dickey back is that Dickey, I think, at least will throw a bunch of innings at an okay level, and I have no yeah. confidence anyone else is going to do that. That's the problem. 
some of all of these guys could be that good, but there's also a decent chance that um, none of them will take a step forward or be that good. By the way, Fulton Evich is leaving the game now in the seventh with Everybody. one out and a runner on. Um, that's actually a very good, not just a quality start, as the stat says, but a really good Pretty start good. by yeah. Fulton Evich. Yeah. Just haven't been able to put runs on the board. Right. Against John Lackey, of all people. I mean, wind blowing in it, Wrigley. The other thing I'll yeah. say that might be part of this, we might need to reckon that SunTrust isn't just a hitter's park. It's a serious hitter's park. Yep. The ball tends to fly out of there. When people put the ball in the air, it tends to go over the fence, um, which is part of Tehran's problem. He's yeah. always been a fly ball pitcher, and people hit fly balls in that park, and they tend to, they tend to be gone. He has um, averaged which, more than one home run per start. Right. Which isn't really and good. He's had several star- starts with three or four home runs. Yeah. Um, but I'm saying if you take an average start for him, he's giving up a home run. Does that mean that if, if you're in charge of the Braves, what you really ought to do is find some kind of extreme ground ball, sinker ball kind of pitchers? I don't Wasn't know. Wasn't this the thought in the 80s and the Braves never put together a staff? <laughs> yeah, you know, back, back when they played in the old launching pad, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, um, that's the reason Rick Kent was on the Braves for years and years, because one thing the guy could do was throw a sinker ball and get ground balls. He was actually not that good. The other the reason, way, Will, no, the other reason he was on the Braves forever is that they couldn't produce a good. Yeah, they didn't have anybody pitcher. else who was any good to, to come along, right? Um, the, the, I just got excited because this is the first time Will I'll ever see AJ Mentor pitch. He just oh. got brought in to replace Fulton Evich, and I've got the TV on in the background. I've been so excited about this guy ever since he started pitching for the Braves last year even, and he had some Craig Kimbrell-type numbers. This year they brought him along slowly because he's had such arm trouble, uh, not pitching consecutive games or anything like that. But he's he's a part of the bullpen of the future, they think. Uh, nasty stuff. But I've never actually seen it, but I'm just about to. Um, I mean, it's the kind of, I don't know how anyone ever hits this level stuff. Right. Yeah. The kind where um, I, I, I keep making these comparisons that aren't fair to people. You know, the yeah. the, the Kimbrel comp, that, that's not what we're – but, but the, you, you see the stuff come in, you think, well, yeah, no chance to hit that. You know who else had that? Kyle Farnsworth. You know who got hit more than he should have? Kyle <laughs> <Right>. Farnsworth. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, you know, one of those things where – we fall back on there are a ton of pitchers coming up, and that might be the advantage the Braves have. Oh, right. If there's one strength in the organization, it's the quantity of the, the highly rated pitching prospects. Man, do they have a bunch of them. But a lot of the guys are talking about maybe not doing all they can. I mean, I wonder if we should evaluate Whistler and Blair again, because when we got those guys, the idea was, here are people who will be major league starters, probably not Cy Young candidates, maybe even not well above average, but these guys could start consistently. That was They the bombed. Claire and Blair, and that hadn't worked out at all for either. Uh, if they have a future at all, this is relievers, and that, that may not happen either. If at all. Now, I, I will say, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, that Whistler and Blair were never ranked as highly as, you know, Allard and Soroka and now Gohara or the, the next wave, you know, Ian Anderson and people like that. 
I mean, I, I don't think they ever had that kind of stuff. Um, no, but they were supposed to be really solid pitchers. Well, that was the reason, idea. There's a reason everybody says there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. You could never count on anyone in particular. And the guys who don't have overwhelming stuff that sort of count on, you know, pitchability, as they say, you know, much, much better with command and control and mixing it up. Um, that's easier said than done. <laughs> and, and if you're not able to, to really be a master of that, um, you're not going to make it. Some will, some won't. But probably more won't than will. I mean, the good I, news is the Braves have held 12 or 15 people right. that are pretty highly ranked pitching prospects. If a third of those make it, you're in great shape, right? Yes, absolutely. And I th- the other thing about getting uh, an established starter, if we lose Gohara and Anderson, I'll think that's a pretty big price. But yeah. it's not like we've lost our two good pitching prospects. Right. We've lost about 10% of That's our really good pitching prospects. part of the point prospects. of them stockpiling all these pitching prospects. They know there's not room for all of them if they all make it. And I picked two guys I'm very excited about. said that, right? That, you know, we want to have a lot of them, and some of them will be people we trade uh, to get other people, and some of them will make it. And you, you got to make the right guess as to which are the ones to get rid of and which are the ones to keep. Well, and um, I'm, I'm like a lot of casual fans. I get excited about all the prospects, and I kind of hate the thought of trading any of them because he may turn out to be great. But you, you got to just make your best guess and pull the trigger on some of them because they're not all going to be great. And and you do you do need to trade some of them. I think they also need to trade somebody for a, for an established major league hitter. I was talking about how the lineup's not too bad, but I'd feel a whole lot better if there was either a third baseman or a corner outfielder in this lineup that was just a good solid hitter with some power or you but, wait a year and you splash the cash for nolan arenado well how much cash would that take oh a lot the that's best third baseman of his generation defensively I mean, and offensively yeah. um but yeah that would be nice um i mean that's the other thing that any rebuilding team has is we've got to figure out where the hole might be right but, but it's also a matter of timing on a rebuild yeah. team. Um, at what point do you pull the trigger and start to trade prospects to compete now? And I just don't think they're there yet. I mean, I'm, I mean, not, obviously not yet. But I mean, even this off season, I, I, I think I'd be pretty careful about trading people away, even knowing that they're not likely to be competitive next year. But they may be. They may have pressures I'm not aware of. That you know, the people in charge are saying, no, if, if we can't, you know, be be a better than 500 team and compete for the playoffs uh, then your job's in trouble copy and if that's the case then he might decide well i'd better go out and get whoever it is who's a big bad or a couple of big arms and start to mortgage the future as they say well and i justin verlander was traded yesterday and i think a month ago that looked to be an impossibility right but circumstances changed in detroit and houston so sometimes trades develop just because the circumstances change. And I'll also say it once again. It's like a refrain for me now. Every copy trade is surprising. That's true. Um, and I don't, oh, actually, I don't mean I, I don't see it. the Brandon Phillips trade was one of the least surprising ever. What was surprising was he wasn't traded on July 31st. Well, um, if he had not been traded as of yesterday, I would have been pretty stunned. I would have thought, what surprising a Surprising meaning... 
had you heard anything about in the next few days a deal should be had that sends Brandon Phillips to the Angels? No, I had not. If I'd been paying much attention, I probably could have figured it out because who's in contention that needs a second baseman? And obviously the Angels were at the top of that list because they were not getting any production on a second base. Mm-hmm. Although, nice thing about Brandon is he's shown he's a pretty good third baseman, some team that needs that. Yeah, again, they have you know Escobar. Um, yeah. But it's, I mean, Coppolella has made a bunch of trades that you go, wait, we did what? Huh? I mean, the Shelby Miller to the Diamondbacks trade. That's still his best one. Obviously. Was, oh, we're giving up Miller. Who are we getting in return? Ender Inciarte. Well, Ender Inciarte is a pretty good player. That might be okay, but is there more? Wait, Dansby Swanson. And then we forget now because Aaron Blair has been a disappointment. But Aaron Blair wasn't just a throw-in, right? That right. felt like a, I mean, this all happened in a way that was very surprising, and I feel like we just heard about it. Um, and actually, Jason Hayward for Shelby Miller was similar. All well, of a sudden, sure, it all trades are surprising to some extent. Um, I, I guess I, I don't want to. I mean, I, I'm still pretty much bullish on this rebuild. On the other hand, Capoella has made at least one trade that still is the biggest head-scratcher ever. What were they thinking of on the Hector Oliveira trade? <laughs> that that one clearly didn't work out. Wouldn't you love to have Alex Wood? Uh, yes. Right? Yes. Now, um, the, the, the Andrelton Simmons for Sean Newcomb trade, which is really what that turned out to be, obviously so far that looks pretty lopsided in favor of the Angels, especially given what a good year Andrelton's had with the bat. In the long run, that may yet work to the Braves' advantage, but it doesn't look good so far. Well, that's two trades that are pretty questionable. Um, I, I know a lot of people that aren't very happy with um, with the getting rid of Craig Kimbrell, although that one doesn't bother me so much. We didn't get much of a return on it, um, but we just didn't have much use for him, and it was a way to get rid of um, Melvin Upton's contract. I mean, over, but but the trades have been mixed. Obviously, the Shelby Miller trade when we traded Shelby Miller away, man, we got a great haul on that. Um, some of the other ones, not so much. But the big trades are yet to come. I think. Yeah. When you when you start to trade prospects for major league players rather than the reverse, which is what's going to be happening in the next year or two, and I'm I'm, I'm really interested to see which way they go on it. Yeah, because the only guys that would really go out now are probably Marcakis, Kemp, and Adams. Sure, they'd be they'd be delighted to trade any of those if they get some return for it. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, you don't have a roster where you're looking at going. You know who really should be gone for something. Yeah. That's pretty much gone, and you're starting to look at how pieces will come together. And you know, let's say Rio Ruiz has a hot September, you might look more at an outfielder than a third baseman. As we were talking, Ruiz year. just hit a double into the Ivy. See what I mean? His second hit of the day. I, I kind of like that guy. Um, he, he, he didn't hit well at all in his small sample size in June when he got called up. Uh, but he's young. And, you know, yes. he had a really good second half in Gwinnett. Uh, Rio might be the third baseman of the future. And I've said this before about Rio. You don't need to be an MVP-level hitter to be a good third baseman. Right. Which baseball fans have never understood. It's why there are fewer third basemen in the Hall of Fame than other positions. It's just we evaluate it wrong. Yeah. But... The really important thing for the Braves, the Braves is had a Hall of Fame third baseman for the last for twenty years. Yeah, there, no, and that's, no, he was in the outfield some. And, um, well, for 
two or three years of that. And then Braves fans my age even remember the Hall of Fame third baseman they had when they came to Atlanta. But they're the exception rather than the rule. Usually a third baseman is not one of the greats. The Braves also had Daryl Evans, who probably should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, that's true. Yeah. And Bob Horner had about a half a Hall of Fame career and then fell off the table. So the Braves have actually had a good history at third base. That's true. Um, And Terry Pendleton was an MVP for us at that position. That's true. Uh, I've never accounted this before, but wow, our third baseman through history have been pretty good. (laughs) You're Uh, right. And Bob Elliott in Boston before that. You don't need to have somebody at that level. Um, but actually, yeah, you don't need but those third guys. base is, is the big question mark, I think, going into next year. Down the line, Riley may be the third baseman of the future, but that's still at least a year or two away. A year or two after that, if Kevin Maiton develops the way they think, I think they'd love to see him as their third baseman. But, you know, he's 17 years old. So, mm-hmm. um, third, third base is, is a hole where if they're going to trade for a bat this offseason, that might be where they do it. I don't know who there is. The, the problem is, aren't that many good hitting third basemen, right? Who would it be? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's like Nolan Arenado. That's it. Well, um, yeah, that that would be great. But I'm not sure aren't. that there are a whole lot of others. You go, oh, that's who I really want to go and get. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you can trade for him. That probably costs more than we want to give up. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, but in a way, I think September could be fun for the Braves because oh, I'm excited about it. It is it's, box it's, score it's, watching more than. Ups and downs. If they're going to use people like A.J. Minner in the bullpen, and if Max Fried yeah. gets a start or two, and if we can, you know, Dansby and Ozzy keep hitting. We're playing third. Dansby and Ozzy playing every day. Yeah, that's that's what that's the future, which has always been the last couple of years. The future is a lot more interesting than the present, and the future is getting closer to now, right? Yeah, and there's a perverse nature in following a team that's rebuilding, and you care about individual performances maybe more than if they win or lose. Um, but it's not like it's so far away that we're going to be doing this for years. I think next year will be better. Um, um, yeah, kind of counting on it, although it does depend on those pitchers. It does. <laughs> if, uh, that, so there's, it's nothing certain, but it, it'll be fun to, to pay attention. And uh, pay attention we will right here on the Channel 17 podcast, uh, your weekly Atlanta Braves discussion podcast brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, where you can find every single one of our episodes, um, as you can always go there. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you are listening on either of those platforms, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating, and leave a review, because that is how you can help us to get onto charts and be heard by brand new listeners. You can also help us out a bit more directly by going to our Patreon page, Patreon.com slash ProductiveLeisure, and becoming one of our patrons. At Patreon, patrons give small monthly contributions to support ongoing creative work, like, say, a podcast network. So, if you want to hear more of the Channel 17 podcast or any other Productive Leisure Network podcast, or if you want to help us to create new podcasts in the future, please go become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash Productive Leisure. You can also follow us for updates on everything to do with the Productive Leisure Network on Facebook and Twitter at Prod Leisure. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.